0: What's happening, Hardscapers? This is episode 127 of the How to Hardscape podcast, where we talk to you about how you can start and grow your Hardscaping business. And today we're joined by Weston Zimmerman. He is the CEO and co founder of Synced Up, a business management software that will help you know your numbers, which is exactly what we get into with this episode. Now, we actually have a webinar coming up on November 30th at 11 a.m. Eastern with Cycle CPA and Synced Up. We will be doing a live interview with questions you can submit if you register in regards to end-of-the-year accounting and then getting into knowing your numbers with Synced Up, a software that will help you with just that. If you register, you can submit a question and you'll be able to tune in live or watch the rerun of the interview, which will not be available elsewhere. Again, be sure to register to get your questions in and to watch this end-of-the-year accounting webinar and knowing your numbers. You can register at howtohardscape.com slash Webinar, or visit the show notes of this episode again that is howtohardscape.com slash webinar for those that register for the webinar and register with a question asked we'll be giving away three merch packages the merch package is a hat a shirt and a sticker from the how to hardscape merch store so a hat a shirt and a sticker three of those packages will be given away to those that register and register with a question asked at how to slash webinar. Now let's get into the episode. Today we're joined by Weston Zimmerman. He is the marketing director at Tussie Landscaping and one of the co-founders and CEO of Synced Up. Something that we're going to get into today, especially with your numbers and your business budgeting and so much more. Weston, thank you so much for joining us.
1: Hey, I'm pumped to be here. Thanks. Uh, It's nice to actually see your face for the first time. I've been seeing your podcast and your Instagram for a long time. So this is great. I appreciate it, man. And it's
0: uh, I've seen your face many, many times, uh, specifically with your YouTube channel at uh, Tussie Landscaping and everything that you did with them. And uh, like I I have to say, it's very forward thinking in terms of setting up a YouTube channel for a landscaping company when you guys did and uh and what you guys did there with that actually let's get started weston can you give our audience a little bit of a background about you yourself how you got started in the industry and kind of what brought you today with synced up
1: yeah so if i go back to the very beginning um as a kid i'd help my mom in the backyard we build ponds and streams like just the typical stuff that we now rip out and rebuild right but uh, at Tussy landscaping but uh no, that's kind of where the the passion or the spark got lit, and when and I got to know the guys at Taxi Landscaping when I was 16. I started working for them. I've been there for uh, almost fif- 15 years now, and um, just worked my way up through the ranks. and 20 and in 2012 2013, I became the marketing director there as well. In addition to uh, crew foreman, so I kind of took on dual roles there. Uh, and that's kind of where the YouTube idea started. Actually, Bill Gardaki from um, now I can't remember his his, his business name, but he was the one that kind of got us into the GoPro thing. And that's kind of where the YouTube idea started. Gotcha. Um, we, and we just had build
0: it Gardaki on the show, actually. And that bugs me now that you bring up his business name and I can't even think of it. Yeah,
1: I, I, It's like right at the, I just can't get it. But anyway, that's where, that's where the, the YouTube spark happened. And that's where the marketing director role eventually got born out of. Um, and In 2017, there at Texas Landscaping, we won the Aquascape Artist of the Year Award, which is probably my favorite uh, bragging point. (laughs) That's just a lot of fun. It was was an award we were chasing for a long time. And I I really, really love creative things. I really enjoy building water features and making things look beautiful in that regard. Um, So that was fantastic. But then in about the 2015-2016 range, the synced up story started happening there where Tasty Landscaping was undergoing this phase of um, transitioning from an owner operator type business to a business where the owner could do work uh, more, more, more on the business instead of in the business. So he was hiring people to take certain seats in the company. I was one of them. There was salespeople, designers, all of that office admin people, but that enabled him to become uh, much more uh, strategical in terms of running the business, he could leave and the the business would keep on running without him. So there's a lot of things there that are, uh, he had goals that a lot of people have in this industry is to build a business that doesn't require their time, 80 hours a week. Right. Um, but that, that process created this need, that growing process created this need to determine, build systems and processes so that that could actually happen. So it could actually be a reality. And in that quest, we were using industry softwares, the common ones on the market that you probably all already know. Um, And they all have their strong points. They all have things that they're good at for sure. But what we felt is like we couldn't manage our project workflow from one end to the other, from lead through invoicing inside of a single system. And that's what really frustrated us because it was so inefficient, uh, so problem prone, so human error prone. And we just had this vision for like, There's got to be a better way. And I had connections through my dad in the telecommunications industry. So that kind of put us in touch with some software developers. And so we kind of had this spark ignite around. Let's let's build this thing. Let's fix this problem. And it wasn't very long into that process. that we're like, this is not a testing landscaping problem. This is an industry problem. And there's a lot more owner operators out there that would like to build businesses that they don't have to work 80 hours a week at. Uh, that they could have systems and processes that just streamline the operations. And yeah, that's, that's, here we are six years later from that point. And uh, now we've launched synced up as a business, as a product Uh, it's been taking off. It's on a tear and uh, we are, we could be more excited and ultimately what really, why we do it, you know, (laughs) why do we, why do we do this to ourselves? Why do we beat ourselves up and put it, put ourselves under so much grind and hustle. And it's like, there's something really, really fulfilling for me when it comes to watching people with a desire to grow a business that doesn't require their time. They use synced up and it becomes reality in their business. They become, they get to the point where they're understanding their numbers. They're putting out jobs that are guaranteed price for profit and seeing that like mental weight fall off of their shoulders and how it changes their lives. That's, that's why, that's why we do it, you know? Yeah, no, it's, it's unbelievable.
0: You know, scratching your own itch in your business to then, you know, bring that to so many other people who obviously, if you guys were scratching your own itch, there's many, many other people that need that have the same problem that that need the solution. And you guys offer that with this new software that you have with synced up now we're coming to a time in the season when we're talking right now when I'm thinking and GIE and HNA is coming yeah. out and people are going to be going to shows and they're going to be looking at equipment that they want to buy and I'm thinking already about next year and, and how my year is coming to a close here when you worked at Tussy Landscaping and, and this kind of transitions as well to Synced Up what what were you doing at this time in the business to kind of look at your numbers to kind of see where you were at to begin the initial process of looking into next year, because where I'm at in Toronto, we're, we're going to shut down for the winter. There's really little work to do. Lots of guys do snow plowing, but really it's a time for me to really think about my business and where I want to be in the next step in my business. What did that look like for you guys and how does that kind of transfer to
1: synced up and what you can do with that? Yeah. So this sounds cliche, but it really starts with actually knowing your numbers. And, and the reason I say that is because like in this time of the year, what we wanted to know was where our break-even point was when we had covered our entire years operating and overhead expenses. And that way we could determine and predict what are like everything from there going forward was gross profit turns into net profit. And that determines like how much profit there was going to be on the books and that educates things like: Should we be looking at buying a new piece of equipment? Should we be hiring more guys? Are we going to be growing a specific leg of the business further next year? Are we going to stop doing something else because it's the, the the time to revenue just isn't there? Um, and we were; those were the questions we were weighing at between now and the end of the year. And you know, talking to our accountants, what's our tax burden look like? What key investments should we be making in the business? Even thinking about marketing things like, hey, you know this year didn't work out so hot in this regard, or this was great. How can we do more of it? You know, those are the kinds of things that uh, are running through We're running through our minds at this time of the year. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, with that, where, like, if, if
0: you're, if you have an allocated budget, say for marketing, how does that pivot into next year? Are you specifically looking at things in your marketing that worked this year and then you're kind of doubling down on that next year which means that you need to increase your budget for that or how does that kind of work in your mind's eye especially coming as the marketing director of Tesla?
1: Yeah, so it's kind of a, It's at the most simplistic level, it's like figure out what's working really well and then figure out what's not working. Even if there's only one thing that's working really well, figure out what's not working and like, don't do that anymore you know, and and do do all do more of what's working really well. This is kind of Mm -hmm. the way when you run a dozen Facebook ads, you shut off all the ones that don't work and you only leave your budget for the one that is working. And same thing with marketing channels. Like, so maybe you do, maybe you do uh, donations or charities or sponsorships. Maybe you do, uh, maybe you have some public actual physical displays in the ground at public locations. Maybe you do Facebook ads and Google ads. Maybe you have a YouTube channel, whatever the case it's looking at, what's generating interest awareness and leads and what is each one of those costing us as a company to produce or execute and then you know years ago already we we were like you know what we're not gonna do print anymore we used to spend thousands of dollars on print and we just like completely exited off our budget because we could take that same money and put it over into something like the YouTube channel or Facebook ads and crank that you know, the, the, the return on that same money investment was much greater. And then, of course, maybe we, sometimes we'd make choices to like, obviously, I came on as the marketing director, There was an additional budget for that. I bought a whole, basically a whole production suite with cameras and uh, editing equipment and all of that, which you don't have to do. I don't, I don't want to give you that perception that you have to do that. But we were getting serious enough about it that that's what we did. And I'm glad we did. But that's ultimately what we're what we are looking at in terms of marketing is like, what's working, do more of it. What's not working, do less of that or not at all. Now, when it comes to, okay, it's talking about marketing, talking
0: about equipment, maybe even thinking about somebody that you're going to bring into the business uh, as you move forward into next season and putting this and compiling this into a budget. What do we need to know about the previous season to be able to know that we're ready for that next step in purchasing that next equipment in hiring that next person. Uh, As we come to a close in the season, as we start to kind of ramp up for the next season, what are we looking at in terms of last year to prepare ourselves for this year?
1: Yeah, it's a great question because I think it's, it's one where a lot of us trip up on and that is like, you can't make, you can't make good decisions if you don't have good data to look at. And what I'm getting at is make sure that you have a great relationship with your accountant and make sure that you understand your profit and loss statement. Make sure that your profit and loss statement in your QuickBooks is actually a true reflection of reality. Because if that's not a true reflection of reality, you're completely in guessing land. You know, and so that's number one is just look at what we spent what's, you know, where, where we lost, where we won and kind of, and as far as like, then you might be looking at, you know what, we spent so much money on delivery fees. I I remember one point in Tyson landscaping story, we spent so much money in delivery fees. We were, it was causing efficiency problems because we were on their schedule, not on our schedule. And it was like, you know what, we're going to go spend the 50 grand or whatever to get a single axle dump truck, like a, like a 10 ton, you know, and we did. And three years later, we bought a tandem axle. And, you know, so the point is, is like we were looking at where we were spending money and looking for ways where we could be more efficient and make those strategic investments into the business. Now those trucks enabled us to do our own deliveries on our own time. a couple of our guys got CDLs and like the the efficiency just went way up compared to where we had been. And it's that, you know, that's just one, there's dozens of opportunities like that. Uh, So that's, As far as like looking at your past numbers with a critical eye to determine where your next investment should go into, that's maybe one example of uh, the story at Tussie was, you know, looking at how much money we're spending on delivery fees, considering the lack of efficiency and then making that investment.
0: I love that real world example there because it's it's. If you don't know, and it, it, like you said, it's really cliche. If you don't know your numbers, you wouldn't be able to have that information to tell you that, exactly. that you, you could invest into that, uh, that, that piece of equipment and to, into your people to get their CDLs. And that would actually make sense for you. That would actually in the long-term make you more money without knowing that and having that data over time, you you don't know that. It's, it's You're just kind of picking out a, a
1: midair and saying, let's go for it without that data, right? Yeah, hundred percent. Like a lot of owners will sit there and look at that $50,000 cash investment it would require or loan or whatever. And just be like, oof, man, I, I just don't know if I can quite swallow that. And meantime, they go on, Swallowing a camel and straining at a net, you know, like they're 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 they, they keep on living with the pain and the inefficiency of on someone else's schedule, paying X amount in delivery fees, and it's just like you would actually make more money and make your life easier all in one role. if you just go buy the truck, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, and, know, or you know I could use software as as an example too, but yeah, that yeah, that's just just a good real life story as to w- what gives you the confidence to go lay out that money and make that investment is making sure that your numbers are actually telling you the truth. That's why I'm saying you really got to be, if you're not the accountant numbers type, really make sure you have someone you really trust and have a great relationship with to help you understand the numbers in your business. So you, as the business owner, can make those decisions without second guessing yourself.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. And it's going to be these things that you find out with this data is going to be different from every level of your business. For example, my business is really small, it makes more sense for me to get deliveries as opposed to take that oh, leap and, and get that truck. But it, it, it's just a great real world example that you you put in there. And I don't hear enough guys talking about these real world examples of, you know, knowing your numbers and what that actually can tell you. So thank you for that. But getting into the profit and loss statement. What are some things, because you've dealt with many contractors by now, lots of people signed up for Synced Up and really getting that data and getting to know their numbers, but with their profit and loss statement or just things in general that they don't know about their business, what are some things? Some common things that you see with contractors about not knowing their numbers or not understanding their profit and loss and, and so on?
1: I'd say the worst one is, is where people view their books as a secondary like they're so involved in being excellent craftsmen, doing amazing things for Instagram or for their customers. And that's awesome. That's really where probably a lot of our passion lies as the owner. That's what we got in the business to begin with. But, you know, probably the worst repeat scenario that I see is guys that don't have a, a good accountant, Don't their, their QuickBooks are an absolute mess. And they're not doing a service to themselves. They're not doing a service to their employees. They're not doing a service to their own families because they're, they're essentially flying by the seat of their pants and hoping it all shakes out. And basically what I'm saying is I don't care if you're just starting your business. I don't care if you're brand new, it does not cost that much to get an accountant. You know, even if it's maybe your one aunt or uncle or your dad is good at numbers, they can actually get you through that first year where you're literally only working with tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of revenue. But once you get to the point where you have two, three guys underneath you, you that this is no longer a negotiation option in my book. It, it, you've got to know your number. you got to know your make sure your QuickBooks are accurate because from there, that's your source of truth. From there, you're making decisions. Um, another one is probably a lot of people trip up on is how to look at equipment investments, how those get recovered. And when you're bidding jobs, you know, that's Next to not, there's plenty of people out there. I'm, I'm going to a different persona here, kind of. There's plenty of people out there that do a good job and know that their their QuickBooks better be in order. And they do a good job at that. But then they struggle at understanding maybe the next level is probably is understanding how to recoup that equipment, how to know when to make those investments, how to know when not to make those investments. Um, and just knowing how all those expenses and overhead investments that you make into your business play out when you're trying to get a price for mrs jones's patio over there
0: no absolutely and kind of just throwing something out there to you in terms of equipment and what what i've seen uh with guys and just to kind of get another perspective on this because maybe you agree maybe you disagree with this but what i see with with a lot of people with equipment is that they think that once it's paid off That's when they start making the money. That's when they start making everything is profit after that. But when they what they fail to kind of see is that at the beginning of their their uh, equipment, there's less maintenance, there's less breakdowns, there's less downtime, which is costing them. But as their payments come to an end, that maintenance, that downtime, that everything that goes into that equipment is going to only increase over time. And really, they need to understand that and and price that and continue to price that into their jobs. Because when that piece of equipment has come past its lifespan, now they need to if they haven't been pricing it into their projects over time. Now they need to reach into their own wallet into their own money and pay for a piece of equipment to replace that one is that kind of what kind of goes down your path? Is there anything that you
1: want to add on to that? Yeah. Yeah, no, that that's exactly right. And it's like the whole point of knowing your numbers and building a budget and understanding your equipment expenses and your overhead burden regarding equipment is so that you know the sweet spot as to when that equipment is past its useful life to you. Maybe it's still a lot mm. of life left in the machine, but past its useful life left to you, and you got to go replace it. Because that downtime, what does that downtime do? It generate it, it generates another expense. You got to go rent a machine to cover it. Or hopefully, if, if it's under warranty, the dealer gives you a machine. But that's kind of usually that's not the case. By the time the equipment's that old, so you know that's that's where you get you think you might be saving yourself money by keeping that old machine, but you got eight guys, you got downtime, run to expect, like the, the, that, that. can quickly outweigh what it costs you to just go get the new machine or newer mm-hmm. machine. So yeah, I, I 100% agree with with where you're coming from and what you're saying, um, and you know back to what you were saying, like, oh, once the equipment's paid off, it's hundred percent profit from there. Oh yeah. Okay. I understand there's maintenance and I understand there might be downtime, but I don't actually view recovering. My equipment is like, once it's paid off, as no It no longer has an expense to me and everything's profit. I don't view it that way. The way I, the way I view it is like, let's say a $50,000 skid loader. I'm just using round numbers. $50,000 skid loader had gives me a life of five years, 10 years, whatever, plugging your number in there. And when I sell it, I can sell it for 15 grand or whatever. So I use those numbers to, um, take what I buy it at, take uh, what I sell it at, take that net result and divide it by the years I'm going to use it. And that is my annual cost to own that machine. So regardless whether the loan's paid off yet or not, that's my annual cost to own that machine. And then I can determine whether I want to recover that cost by billable hours or whether I want to just add it to my overhead burden and my overhead markup is going to recover my expense of that machine, whatever you have choices there. But like, yeah, people get tripped up around that. concept of, that's probably the easiest way to say it is what you did. Oh, the machine's paid for it. It's not costing me anything other than maintenance, which it's not usually the case.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. It, it's, it's, you mentioned billable hours there. And I know that that's such a key thing when, when starting off and being able to price, how do you suggest guys come across their billable man hours? How, how do you suggest that they calculate that at the start of the season um, what goes into that? Do they look at last year's? Or do they take an average of their previous years? How do you suggest they come
1: across their billable hours per season? You mean just to come up with an estimate of how many hours I'm going to be billing out that season? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So um, what I would do is go look at your payroll of last year. And, and, mm-hmm. co- and even if you're not on payroll, technically, count your own hours for any production time as the owner um, and come up with the total hours that were put into production last year. And then think about like, okay, this was the current year, let's say, uh, next year, I know I'm going to be hiring three more guys. So let's say they work 2000 hours a year each. So that's another 6,000 hours. So I would add that to what I did last year and, or if I'm downsizing or whatever, like just think about what you did the past year and do Mm -hmm. an educated projection for the upcoming year and consider the fact that you may hire or fire some people and, uh, kind of set your target with that information. But yeah, this this goes back to making sure that you actually have the numbers to look back on. Cause if you're yeah. guessing like, and payroll is usually pretty easy cause you got, there's all regulations around payroll. So usually that's a pretty easy one for people to find even for people that don't have good books in order. But um, yeah, if you're paying cash that, you know, that's, you're not gonna have any information there.
0: <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. And so w- with all this information that we've been talking about, obviously you, you've created a software that helps guys to compile all this and for them to easily source it and to you know going back to that term know your numbers but actually be able to have a single place where they can go back to for years past however long they're they're with synced up and to look at it and to actually analyze and to make decisions that are not just flying by the seat of your pants, Yeah, where you can actually say, no, it makes sense to buy this piece of equipment. No, we need this person. Uh, We need to hire this person because in the long run, this is what the numbers are telling us, and it's not just an emotional decision. It's not just because you want this piece of equipment. What? What have you seen in terms of when you first released Synced Up, what was the reaction of contractors what was the response that you had? Did it surprise you a little bit? Uh, can you talk about when that first went, when you first released Synced Up and, and what the response yeah. was from contractors?
1: Well, you know, we are all, there's this saying that we are our own worst critics. And I can say that's probably true because, you know, we're putting a lot of investment and a lot of risk out there on ourselves. Like, you know, we might be barking up a completely wrong tree, but what really blew me away and impressed me and just made me take a, do a double take and think on it for a while was we weren't the only ones dealing with, like I said, we weren't the only ones dealing with this problem. This was not a Tyson landscaping problem. It was an industry problem. And I'm just gonna be really transparent with you. I don't understand why there hasn't been a product that speaks to some of these things before synced up, you know, great. I mean, now we're on the market. Now we're, we're after here to fill this, fill this gap, fill this void. And and probably the biggest thing that people are hungry for is to be able to actually wrap their minds around and understand what we mean when we say, know your numbers, because it's like this deer in the headlights producing statement, know your numbers. Yeah. Everybody agrees that the shows, yeah, we got to do this. And then they go home and it's like, I'm back to my notepad and scratching things out on a, you know, but it's the biggest things that I see that people are hungry for is the ability to just grasp their numbers and then know how that impacts the estimate for the patio they're producing for Mrs. Jones. And then the ability to actually job cost that and compare their estimated with their actual results. And the job costing is where Synced Up really creates a gap between Synced Up and the rest of the competitors on the market. Is, and, and that's what I'm saying. That I don't understand why nobody else has really pursued that. And, and it's probably just to, I'll put a little blurb in there. Pl- plenty of software say they do job costing, but man, speaking as a contractor, not as a, not as a synced up guy, speaking as a contractor, it's these squint your eyes reports that are 50 lines on a page. It's like, what am I supposed to draw a conclusion from this? And it's like, we just simply need a graph where you can look at it for five seconds and know how we made out. And then once you know how you made out, Start clicking and diving and slicing and dicing until you understand why, what what caused that outcome. And I like I tell people is like job costing is your salesperson's scorecard. So if you're estimating jobs, you're estimating the job, coming up with an estimated price, and that's what the customer pays for the job. But who's to tell you that that estimate was actually for the right price? And what you can do at a, at the first level is to actually have your profit loss statement in QuickBooks be accurate, so that by the end of the year you can determine whether you made money or not, but the next level up from that is not wait till the end of the year or the end of the quarter or the end of the month, but know immediately at every single job, not just when the job is done, but live as the job is being done, know where you're standing, know where you're come out at. And that way the salesperson can start going like, you know what, the last four or five patios we did where we had to rent a dingo because the excavator didn't fit through it. We're not bidding enough of hours. And so I'm going to go update my production rate and make sure that my hours are increased so that I pivot. The feedback loop is so much shorter and I can take real world data and pivot and make a real world change in my estimating immediately, instead of waiting for my accountant to tell me you're screwed at the end of the year. Yeah.
0: I mean, definitely. And that job costing is something that like, uh, I mean, we've talked about it before. It's extremely crucial. And, uh, and like you said, Synced Up offers that real time knowing your, your, what your job is actually costing you and allowing you to compare it to the estimated, correct? Like you can go through that job and every day at the end of the day, you can go in there and see what's going, what's happening with that job numbers wise. And like we've talked about already in this interview is that that can be eye-opening to you in terms of inefficiencies in your business
1: and where you need to improve in your business, correct? 100%. You know, I'll just tell you a story of a guy that signed up for Synced Up, relatively rural area, definitely one of these classic contractors that had in his head what he should be charging his customers, what a what a 500-square-foot patio should cost his customer. Like, nah, I'm never going to sell it for five grand more than that. And so when he was signing up, we we're voting his budget. We built, I was like, hey, do you have an estimate that you built recently? Let's vote in and sync up and see where you come out at now that we know your numbers. And we built that estimate. And at the number that he was selling that, that the, the number that he sold that job to the customer at, he was losing money. Losing. And that's how these people go out of business. That's how they, that's how right. they have this tremendous stress and they can never quite make ends meet. And and. Yeah. So so basically what's happening is now, instead of it estimating becoming an emotional thing where ah the customer is just not going to go for that, like, I, I just can't get that price in my area or you fill in the blank. We all know those common objections we have in our head trash. And now it's it's not an emotional thing anymore. I just tell I'm the same, the system knows my numbers. It knows my markups, it knows my overhead. And now I just plug in, I have this cost of this paper, I have this cost of this labor, I have this cost of this and this and this and this. I just plug in what I need to do the job. It marks it up automatically and it tells me to cover your costs, cover your overhead and generate the profit that you said you wanna generate. You have to charge the customer X. Now you can override that if you want, but it's gonna tell you right there in live. Hey, that if you sell it at that number, you're gonna have a net negative number. You want it, you yeah. know, so suddenly it's like, it's like this like, ooh, Never really thought about it that way. like, And it really helps people get past the emotional thing or the head trash thing when they're giving a number to Mrs. Jones for their patio. And we've talked about this on, on the on the
0: podcast with many other contractors, owner operators that are pricing a job and you get to the end and you're you look at that number and you're in for some reason in your head, even though you know you're worth it at the end of the day, you look at that number and you say. I just don't see them, you know, wanting to spend this much. Like this, this has to be too much for them. Maybe I lower it by uh, a couple points. What if? But at the end of the day, that's coming out of your pocket. That's coming out of your salary or your business's profit. And then that brings us to another thing, where maybe the business owner is looking at their salary as the business's profit. Yeah. Can you quickly touch on how that is also not uh, something that is ideal because you can, you, you, that that's where the business is bleeding. That's where maybe year one, you're okay. Year two, year three, but then it starts to bite you. And that's where businesses go out of business in year four, five, when mm-hmm. you think you're doing good, you think you're taking a great salary, but ultimately you're saying that that's the business's profit and the business isn't really making any profit and you go out of business.
1: Yeah. I mean, to put it as bluntly as possible, your salary is not profit. Speaking to the owner, your salary yeah. is not profit. Now, you know, then the best way that when I, when, when we work through helping people build their budgets, which by the way, when you sign up for synced up, we actually live help people build their budget for them, which is really a big thing for a big deal for a lot of people. But like what I tell people is like, what would you have to pay on the open market to go find someone to replace yourself? Maybe it's three people. Maybe it's just one, you know, whatever. Maybe it's a really good manager, whatever. But what would you have to pay on the open market to replace what you do in your business? Whatever that number is, is what you should be budgeting for as an expense, not a profit. Now, what you do with that expense item in your budget at the end of the day, whether you take the money or not, I don't really care. At least I know that your markups in your estimates are accurate according to what they should be to produce the profit that you should be uh, producing. Um, So yeah, owner's pay is not profit. It just frankly isn't. Definitely. And Weston, we've spoken before
0: uh had a good conversation and it's uh it's amazing how much of all this stuff is kind of in a sense universal but at the end of the day contractors can take this as they want and and kind of adjust it like you said the at the uh, synced up will give you them a number as to what they need to bill out to the customer to send out as a quote and they can do with that number as they see fit. But if they're gonna lower that number, that's gonna come out of their pocket or out of the business profit. And if they raise that number because they think that they're worth even more than that, then all the power to them, right? Or maybe 100%. they need to improve their their net profit that they're adding onto that job. Yeah. Um, but it's it's amazing how much of this we kind of see eye to eye on. I know, and uh, like,
1: It's crazy. I, I look at your spreadsheet and I was like, dude, you're doing the exact same thing with equipment the way we do it on my own little spreadsheet that I built I, before I ever even knew, knew you or saw your stuff, you know. So if this stuff is universal. Now everybody maybe has their own spin on it or maybe everybody has their own pet key point that they like to hone in on on their budget building processes. But that's kind of irrelevant. I mean, the process is essentially determining what your costs are what your overhead costs are, and then figure out what you have to charge a customer to to be profitable. And one other thing I want to touch on regarding that estimating thing where you're tempted to get emotional about it and lower the price, they're just not going to go for it. The best thing that I see, that's not doing a service to your customer either, because let's say things always come up and you want to serve the customer. You want to give them an excellent five-star experience. And if you are already in a position where you are already barely eking out a few percentage points on this thing, and then an issue comes up, and you, if you could just have another $1,500 to go and blow this customer away with an amazing experience or do a little extra something for them, you can't. You straight up can't. Mm-hmm. And if you ha- if you already have a 10 15 20% net profit in your job, yeah, every once in a while, you can take the liberty to go do that for them uh, and, and deliver an over-the-top experience, which... I think as humans, we all want to kind of do that. We all want to be viewed as an excellent business. It does excellent customer service. And the point I'm making is if you're not charging enough, you straight up don't even have a choice. You flat out can't. And that's where a lot of customer headaches and customer problems and customer drama comes from because your, your hands are tied. You can't do anything about it. They're not going to pay you anymore to solve the problem. It's, it's just a it's a, it's a rock and a hard place. And so What I would rather do when I'm building out that estimate is I would rather be transparent with the customer and say like, okay, this number came in at 38,000. You said you wanted to do 30. I can't do less than 38 for what we talked about, but I could cut these pillars. I could do a smaller outdoor kitchen, whatever. We can cut the scope of work to come down to your 30,000, but we can't do the scope of work we talked about for the 30,000. So modify the scope of work, not your profit margin on when you're estimating a job
0: definitely like just just summing it up there undercharging is a disservice to your customer, your client so uh excellent couldn't have said it better myself weston you, you talked about uh what we're doing over here with how to hardscape in the budget and estimate spreadsheet that we created now especially that this, I, I feel it's a great starting point for guys getting into the industry and to kind of get a good grasp of their numbers but there are some things that spreadsheets just can't do as efficiently as software and there's no doubt that, you know, software comes at a, a at a major cost for you guys to develop over so many years. And uh, but I'd say the number one benefit there is the organization and the uh, usability of data is much more organized with the software, as well as many other things that come with uh, as well as the usability of synced up as opposed to a spreadsheet. So. Mm-hmm. Can you talk a little bit about Synced Up where guys can learn more about Synced Up to see if it's a good fit for them and anything else that you want to leave our audience with in terms of Synced Up and how it can help them in their business?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So you can find us at SyncedUp.com, which is S-Y-N-K-E-D-U-P.com. And you can book a demo there and we can give you a 30-minute demo of the product, what it looks like, answer your specific questions. Um, cause ultimately what I tell people when we, when they get on the demos, our goal is not to sell you. Our goal is to answer your questions so you can make an educated decision on whether SyncDub is a good fit for your business or not. Cause we're not going to be a good fit for everybody. That's just, I mean, that's just the fact of life, but. I think the biggest thing is is that we want to make sure that you are making the best decision possible for you for you and your business but you know then what SyncUp actually does it's basically a project management software from from the time a lead contacts you all the way through invoicing that customer and everything in between so lead contacts you end them in the system you book a consultation for your salesperson and the customer this the consultation happens then the salesperson can drum up an estimate in a matter of seconds with templates and production rates or, let's say, minutes for a more in-depth project, um, either on the mobile app or in the web app. So you can be out in the field tapping up an estimate and give the customer a proposal before you're leaving the driveway. Um, And the proposal can go out digitally to the customer. The customer does not have to create any accounts. They can approve it or approve parts of it. and automatically create a down payment that kicks it to the schedule. It can get scheduled. Your guys get notified like, hey, this new job's just been sold and it's scheduled to you on this job. They can click on it, open it up. And all that data that the salesperson entered to create the estimate so he could produce a price for the customer is then also there as information for the foreman that is executing the project. So everything they need to execute the job is in the mobile app. It's like a digital job folder. And that cuts down tremendously on phone tag. And I don't probably even have to explain half of the benefits to that to you guys. (laughs) But from there, then uh, what the guys are doing, they're clocking in and out. um, They're logging their time, their materials, et cetera. And that is what's producing the data to compare the estimated data to the salesperson created. So basically what's happening is salesperson's creating the estimated side of the job. Guys in the field are logging the actual side of the job. And then that all gets compared automatically live in beautiful graphs and dashboards uh, for every single job. And you can, that's where you can make the, the eye-opening discoveries is to, wow, I never knew that about these types of jobs for my business. Or like, man, these guys are killing it. Like, I'm going to start giving them a bonus on if they come in 20% under man hours on a job, they, they earned a bonus, you know, whatever. Uh, but then you can uh, issue invoicing in a few clicks through QuickBooks Online. Customers can pay electronically. So yeah, it's basically that lead through invoicing workflow and just making that as efficient and as easy of an experience as possible. And a lot of guys, you know, people say that finding good help is one of the biggest challenges today. And it's true. It is. I'm going to go, I'm going to touch on a um, thing that I've like, people just want to know what they're supposed to do. And they want to know when they're doing a good job and systems and process. That's what makes them feel fulfilled they have meaning they're having an impact on their they're earning their keep you know that's what makes that's what makes me feel about doing my job is when i know what i'm supposed to do is there's no ambiguity around it and i know when i did a good job or i know when i didn't and i know what you know so as an employee that's kind of the root desire of employees is to know what they're supposed to do and to know when they did a good job Um, and systems and processes are what enable that to happen for your employees so kind of the point I'm making is, is if you build, doesn't even have to be synced up, I don't care, like just, if you just build good systems and processes for your employees, so they know what they're supposed to be doing, aka delivering all the information they need at a click of a button in their mobile app, so they don't have to call you, chase you, try to track you down, so they know what's supposed to be doing in their job, and then to know when they did well, like, at TASI, there's Foreman always taking screenshots of their, their man hour progress bar in the job, like, Dude, we killed it on this job. You know, guys are high fiving, whatever. Like, that's the kind of thing that gives people the feeling that they love their job. And I think I'm connecting that back to this people, this dilemma of people having a hard time finding good help. I think part, there's many angles to attack that problem, but part of the solution is creating systems and processes in your business that make people feel like they love their job. They know what we're supposed to be doing. They know when they're doing a good job. And that's what helps them stick around and feel good about their job and will in part solve that finding good help issue. I love that human
0: element of it because you can get so caught up in the financials into when you actually do start to know your numbers, just look at numbers on a spreadsheet and and just your eyes glaze over and, and whatnot. But that human element of At the end of the day, what this is is systems and processes so that you can work on your business instead of in your business. I think I got that right. Uh, Another cliche phrase, but ultimately that's what systems and processes do. But it's this human element of the people in your business know what they need to be doing, and like you said, they have a clear purpose. In their business and this this synced up software can help them understand that but especially as the business owner because we've got families we've got kids we've got wives we've got you know ultimately you want to be you want your business to serve them as well and okay. to uh, bring home a good living because this is difficult work this is tough work this is really rewarding work but you should be compensated fairly enough for the effort that you put into it. And that's what this systems and processes and knowing your numbers is truly about at the end of the day.
1: Yeah, exactly. Like knowing knowing your numbers is not the end all be all. It's not knowing your numbers because, oh, yay, I know my numbers now. Right. It's I touched on it a little bit at the very beginning of this of this session. And that was like, and it's the point you just made. It's like, Knowing your numbers is not the end all be all. The knowing your numbers is so that the business can work for you, not you for the business. So that the business is serving your employees and your customers and giving them all a delightful experience. And so that your own family can know who you are, (laughs) you know, so that, so that the systems and processes are in place. It's not like you're constantly firefighting. It's producing the, the money so that you can actually make a good living. So that your family, you can go make good memories with your family you know the kind of the, the stigma in the trades in the owner operator industry small business trade services is that the owner is a practitioner they work 80 hours a week they have two or three guys that help them or a handful of guys that help them but they completely sell out their life to the business instead of the business producing a life for them definitely and i think if at the end of the day, sync up can play a little part in making sure that your wife sees you a little more often or making sure that there's a little trip you can take with the kids a little more often, like that's really where, it, the, the, you know, that's really where the why really comes from. That That's what makes it fulfilling and, and, and why we uh, are setting out on this huge risk-taking endeavor, right?
0: Weston, I could talk to you forever, but uh, it seems like that's a great spot to end this as it is. Uh, that's SYNKEDUP.com. That's uh, s y n k
1: e d S-Y-N-K-E-D-Up.com. Wes Weston, anything else that you want to leave us with? No, I just, uh, thanks for listening. And I just say, you know, Mike, keep doing what you're doing. Like it's, it's these kinds of pieces of content, this kind of training out there that's going to help people ultimately become in situations where the business is working for them and not the other way around. And so I think if we can all just keep on sharing wisdom, knowledge, teaching, whatever it is that can help people lift themselves up a little bit, rising tide lifts all ships, you know, the trades will become a better place for families to, to, to be raised in. And uh, yeah, I, I think uh, as far as from us, who we are at synced up, we're here to just make sure that uh, if we can play a part in, in, enabling, in enabling that for your own business, that's what we're here for. And we want to make sure that kind of one big thing that we really focus on is making sure that you have a excellent totally. experience because embarking on a software thing for your company will thrive or die in the onboarding and implementation process. And so we just put a lot of work and effort and and, and investment into making sure that that is as good of an experience as possible for you guys when you come on um and so that means things like we help you build out your first company budget live in person by one of our experts you know because half the time that's something that even if i had the tool i wouldn't know where to start you know and so that's why that's why we do that uh and we just want to make sure that ultimately when you sign up that you get the results not that you get a whole bunch of fancy buttons and apps that's not what we're delivering that you get the results that you envisioned for your own company when you said, "I'm going to do this." Weston, thanks so much. Okay, hey, it was fantastic, Michael. Thanks a lot. Keep doing what you're doing. Thank you for listening to today's
0: podcast episode. Again, go check out howtohardscape.com/webinar to register for that webinar with Cycle CPA and Synced Up. Again, that is howtohardscape.com/webinar. I'd really love to see you there live and being able to get your questions answered about end of the year accounting. And we look forward to meeting with you
1: next week on the How to Hardscape podcast.